yard touchdown, running in the first place for number one. Harris drops back, fades to the left, pressure on, and he goes down. Ja'Garrett Davis gets home, and the all-black sideline explodes here in Hamilton. Toward the five, it went through Marcus Dale's hands, and Kyron Moore, the presence of mind to catch it and step out of bounds at the five with 20 seconds to go. Pressure loads it up, goes down the field, taking a shot into the end zone. He caught it. Touchdown, Tiger Town. Brandon Banks, how did he do it? It is the breakdown, everybody. Western semi-final. We are taking a look at in this podcast for you. As always, thank you for being here. Thank you to Fox 40 for helping us out bring you this podcast. Of course, go to their website, fox40shop.com, and get the Fox 40 electronic whistle. Hey, even if you feel safer now, you're fully vaccinated, maybe you got a booster, all the rest, and you're like, I don't need an electronic whistle. It's just fun. Just get an electronic whistle. It's a great time. You can get it from fox40shop.com. They got much, much more as well. The Fox 40 Tri-Layer Whistle Mask and plenty of innovations to keep you safe as we continue on throughout Canadian football season. Shout out to my high school. Yes, my high school, Kingston, Ontario, the Frontenac Falcons for winning the city championship uh, just the other day. Congratulations to them. Uh, Nice to see them having a little bit of fun and now progressing their way towards uh, the Ontario Championships, which should be a lot of fun to see how that shakes out. But of course, if we're talking about playoffs and big picture, holy, awesome. what what a game DT has to call this week on 620 CKRM out there in Regina because it's the Riders up against the Stamps. It's the Dickinson brothers for a chance to duel against Mike O'Shea. I feel like whoever ends up losing this game as the head coach should just be able to stand on the shoulder of his brother and they should be like dual fighting O'Shea by the time that they get to the West <laughs> Final on December 5th. That might be a fair fight at that point, based on the Winnipeg <laughs> team that will be backing up Mr. O'Shea. Uh, three times the Riders and the Stamps have played this season. Uh, do you know? And this will be the fourth time. Do you know how many questions I've asked Craig Dickinson about playing against his brother? Zero. Zero. Yeah. Zero. I just we uh, collectively as the media here we beat that story to death. Oh, have you beat your brother? How how's your brother? Do you like playing against your brother? What do you guys do? Do you talk about over meals? Do you hit each other with turkey drumsticks over Thanksgiving and talk about how he's beaten you every time except one? I'm like I get it, they're brothers. But yeah. You see it in Craig Dickinson's face, like yeah, he's my brother. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's the I treat it like every other game, but then you know. Yeah, well, we talk occasionally. Like, yeah, it's 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 neat. Uh, I just I just refuse to make a big deal out of it because it's. I mean, super cool story that two brothers are coaches in the same league and two brothers are are crushing it in the same league. But it's one of those ones you have. You know, uh, there's just storylines I get exhausted about, and and Dickinson versus Dickinson. Uh, I can't I can't do it four times. I can't I can't hammer that storyline four times in a season. So I, I've chosen to hammer it zero times. It's it's very smart of you to handle it that way, I would say, at this point. But, uh, yeah, I, I talked to somebody in the league the other day, and they said, it's just the funniest dynamic with those brothers yeah. because we'll have conversations with them and say, you know, okay, here's how we're going to handle, you know, the officiating assignments for this week and otherwise. And, and Dave will say to Craig, oh, yeah, you know, I was talking to Dave about it or I was talking to Craig about it. You know, we, we talked about it last night. And it's like they talk constantly and their head coaches going against each other in a hotly contested playoff matchup heading towards the Western final. It's just, it is a funny dynamic, but good on you for staying away from the easy conversations and actually trying to have, you know, football ones. Football ones. Yeah. The personal stuff is cool, but the football, Hey, Alvin Jones Jr. Is the brother of Aaron, the twin brother of Aaron Jones. And he's 30 minutes older and stuff like that. But yeah, after a while, I just want to, you know, in those 60 minutes, it's head smashing, let's go. And, and the one that gets across the goal line more wins it. And I can't wait to see it 
happen and pray that Calgary doesn't start fast again because that has been a that has been a real thorn in the side of the riders in the three games they've played so far we've all seen the numbers dt we've gone through and looked at it and cody's deep ball has been discussed throughout the year with or without duke how concerned are you about some of the stuff that i mean i've been talking about it basically everywhere that i've gone the three for 34 on passes of 30 yards or more down the field to anybody not named duke williams can they singularly go through Duke Williams to get that deep ball value? Like, does that concern you at all? Or do you think the Riders can pull this out without having to have any of the other names step up and take some of those deep catches? How concerned am I? There's, there's gotta be some space between very concerned and totally concerned. That's all I can think of. And I can't sleep at night. Like it's, (laughs) it's that extreme. Uh, By I have it 14 of 65, 20 yards and over three touchdowns, nine picks a 32.9 passer rating on balls over 20 yards downfield. That's not great for a guy who is fantastic in the other ranges, Mm -hmm. like uh, behind the line of scrimmage, uh, one to nine, 10 to 19. He is among the elite of the elite in the Canadian football league. Where are we? Uh, Number two passer, number three passer, excuse me, in the intermediate range, uh, number two in the one to nine range. Like everything else is clicking for him. But we're, as, as you know, more novice football fans, we're learning a lot of things you shouldn't do when you're firing out deep balls because that's just honestly the way it's going. Uh, if they hit a couple, they can win just about any football game. But they have hit almost none. And the guy who was the top-rated deep ball passer in 2019 is now in injured Matt Nichols territory in 2021. Ooh. Yeah, Right? It, I mean... It, that's, that's crazy to me. It is crazy. Like, when I put together the, the charts on it, usually stuff will pop up that I'll go, okay, that's interesting. It wasn't even a chart on that one. It was just the raw numbers. And I went, that can't, because I just, I looked at the deep ball. And I went, that oh, can't, it can. That can't be it right. Can. Like I've we- watched the writers games and it doesn't, this is what I find interesting though. It doesn't feel like it's that bad. It feels like it's not great, but he's completing 8.8% of his passes on 30 yards or more in the air to anyone not named Duke Williams. And this is not yeah. like the 40 or 50 range where it's like, yeah, you throw it up. It's a Hail Mary and we'll see what happens on the other end. It's a bomb. 30 yards is, yes, it's deep, but it's kind of like the intermediate to deep range in the CFL where there's a lot of targets that are 20, 25 yards down the field. So stretching it to 30 plus is not crazy. And to be completing 8% to anybody not named Duke. And the fact that Duke has been there for four weeks and he's got as many catches of 30 yards plus in the air as all of the other receivers combined for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders through a 14-game regular season, that is slightly terrifying to me. But it's interesting when you look at Cody's chart, it's like there's all these deep incompletions. And then there's what's like the Jason Moss zone. It's just like this bubble in that intermediate range that you talk about where it's like, yeah, he teaches quarterbacks, he works with quarterbacks in his vision to just pick Mm. you apart. But the question is, is Cody's ability to run the football combined with him being an excellent intermediate passer that we talk about, good enough to overcome not hitting some of these deep shots against Calgary. Like that's, that's the biggest question I think for me going into this one. Well, and and that's the thing that we've kind of talked about here for the first 14 weeks or so is uh, Cody, when he had his outburst after the first Calgary game and outburst, I mean, it was very mild as far as outbursts go, but it was how we kind of treated it here. Uh, It was the frustration of, okay, we can dink and dunk all we like and take six here and take nine there and take two here and then try to get 13 there. We can, you know, theoretically we can do that, 
But who likes doing that? Honestly, <laughs> I, I keep seeing it with, with just about every football team. It's CFL and NFL. Well, we'll just dink and dunk our way down the field. They're going to run too high. We'll just dink and dunk. Nobody wants that because, one, it's so many more plays and so much more exhausting than, than just, hey, you know what? Here's 71 yards to Key and Schaefer Baker. He sticks it in the end zone and, and, and let's just go back and take a break for a bit, right? Like, there, I think there are underrated uh, ancillary effects of hitting deep shots that we don't necessarily talk about much or don't think about much. Like, getting, if you have to drive 90 yards, do you want to go 15 times seven or do you want to, do you want to go 60 and then do some other stuff, right? Yeah. You, you want to go 60. Let's not kid ourselves. That's what, that's what Duke Williams was about when they brought him in. So uh, they, if they're going to beat, I mean, much less what it would take to beat Winnipeg in the following week, but if they're going to beat Calgary, they're going to need to, to strike something up because uh, for reasons that we'll talk about, including they're not super aggressive when they get into, you know, within say the 30 they're they like Brett Law, they're just fine to kick field goals. And you probably need to be a little more aggressive than that, but you, they've got to get some of these and whether it's Shaq, if Shaq can finally bust one open or Cody can hit again, Schaefer and bake on a, on a little streak pattern there, they need something bad. Yeah. And I wonder whether or not Moss realizes the inefficiency of just the base offense and going deep. And he says, I'm just going to dial up a double. Like I'm just I'm gonna give like a double sluggo and I'm gonna let Cody stare down one side and come back and flip and rip it to the to the sideline or something like that. But I, I want to point out as well, like I bring up all of these points talking about the deep ball inefficiency and you do as well. And we're not doing this because it's like we're reveling in him being bad at it. It's just the facts. Like it, it's what's in it's front of us. It's incredibly noticeable. Yeah. Right. And it, and it makes a real impact in the game. So I don't want people to think that, you know, because everywhere I go right now, whether it's radio or this podcast or the written work or CFL.ca videos. I'm talking about this because I think it's that big of an issue that it's worth talking about. But I also, there's a big part of me that is cheering for them to hit a home run with somebody not named Duke Williams on, you know, Keen Schaefer Baker on a 71 yard touchdown, like you talk about, because I want to see what that emotional release looks like for Cody and for that stadium. Like I, cause I think everybody who's a true writers fan is aware of this. If they actually follow the coverage that you give and we give and a lot of different places have talked about that this year, I would love to see what it looks like where everybody just goes, we finally did it. Like we finally, we hit one, you know what I mean? Like, Oh my, I can't believe it, yeah. it just fist pumps through the entire stadium. I think it would be such a cool moment in a playoff game at home um, to see that come to fruition. I'm going to actually share my screen for a second for people that are watching the YouTube edition. For those of you who are listening, I will describe what I'm looking at, but I just pulled this up, by the way. I know his name is not Duke Evans. I accidentally typed that in the target chart. Uh, but this is the one that was actually more concerning for me when I put it together than yep. Duke Williams is Shaq Evans. And I get it. Like, he's been injured and factored back into the lineup. But before they had Duke, Shaq was supposed to be king this year. And he looked really good, I thought, to start the season before he ended up getting destroyed from behind unfairly in that game against Hamilton where he gets rolled up on and break. What did he break? His foot? His ankle? What was it? His leg, his lower leg, yeah. Okay, lower leg, yeah, brutal. Um, so anyways, for those of you that are listening, he has not caught a pass more than 17 yards in the air in 2021. Mm. Like, Shaq Evans is a, a versatile, explosive specimen of a receiver. Passes that have traveled beyond 17 yards in the air, they are 0 for 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. 0 for 10 with two interceptions and no touchdowns. Yeah, that is and, deeply and, troubling. 
And it's a variety of misses, right? He'll he leave Cody leaves one inside. I think it was Nafis Lion of Edmonton who picked one off. He hangs one at, up up about the 45-yard line out to the left. There's there's another one where Cody threw it out of bounds and Shaq took his helmet off afterward because he's frustrated. Like uh, these passes, I'm trying. I have to go back and reevaluate the accuracy on these balls. But it, we all kind of learned a lesson that Jason Moss is like: you can't leave a deep ball inside. You need to throw it outside. And how many times that Shaq has been foiled by a deep ball or a pass left inside by Fajardo? You, you. I understand why he is frustrated to the extent uh, that he is. I have a, I have a Zach Caleros deep ball point when we wrap on Cody Fajardo here and why it would be important for Fajardo to, uh, to hit a couple. Interesting. All right. So uh, yeah, I would, uh, I would actually take that now if I could, just because I'm interested sure. in deep ball stuff before we move on. So uh, as I mentioned, Fajardo 14 of 65, uh, three for touchdowns, touchdown percentage on his deep pass attempts of 4.6%. So okay. 5%, one out of every 20. Zach Caleros this season, uh, 32 of 66, so almost 50% completion. When when Zach throws a deep ball, he hits a touchdown 23% of the time. Oh, man. The difference between 1 and 20 and 1 and 4, right? And that's what it does for the offense. Uh, man, okay, 23% is, an, is a very high number. Most of the guys... Most of the good guys are in the teens, right? In the yeah. very low teens. Um, Dom Davis is oddly at 17% for this season. <laughs> if if Fajardo, I mean, if Fajardo hits three more and they're touchdowns, he's now got six touchdowns. And we're not, you know, you don't have touchdown to interception ratio being so close to one, right? And it's just more points. And we're now into this is small sample size season. You only get one game to play. And if he hits two of those Sunday against Calgary. No matter who's back there, yeah. all of a sudden Duke, Shaq, Shafe, and Bake race into the end zone. The Riders win, right? Uh, and this, this, because this is this is small sample size season. The 2017 Grey Cup showed us, right? There's Devere Posey over the best cornerback in the CFL. Deuces and Toronto gets 200 yard touchdowns and wins a football game. They had no business winning. No, no, absolutely, and they're forever remembered as champions. And Toronto will forever hang that banner over everybody's head. And everybody that was there or watched that Great Cup was like, "Yeah, but we like we watched like we." And they're like, "No, no, 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 champions, champion." I'm like, well, "Yeah, but we, we, I mean, in the snow and the it, yeah, it doesn't matter, man." Like they just they totally yeah. defend it because it's like, "Yeah, you're you're the rightful champions." But my God, that was a weird Great Cup. Did I ever tell you my Steve Walsh story about that? No, no. So Steve Walsh was the Riders quarterback coach in 2019. And he was, he was a coach on that 2017 team. And I had him on the show one day and I was teasing about the 2017 Grey Cup. I'm like, you guys were not the better team in that game, right? Because there's no way Toronto was the better team in the 2019 season, but they won the Grey Cup because again, two 100 yard touchdowns. I'm like, you guys were not the better team, right? Coach, you can admit that. And he says to me, Derek, there is no asterisk on my diamond crusted ring. <laughs> I absolutely lost it because it, it honestly, the great cup does not prove who's the best football team in the world. It proves who won a 60 minute football game and no one, no one will ask why 10 years from now or, or how it happened 10 years from now. So true. I was talking with some of the CFL.ca staff today about our predictions for the playoffs. And I was making fun of my preseason predictions because they were saying, you know, somebody goes, Oh, I took, uh, Winnipeg against uh, Montreal, or I took this against that, and I said, guys, I took Hamilton Edmonton. I was like, that that yeah. was that was my preseason prediction, and I'm like, I study this stuff endlessly, and I'm wrong all the damn time. 
So I'm like, and I'm okay with that. And Kyle Scott, who does great video work for the CFL said, um, in true CFL fashion, Winnipeg will probably breeze to the gray cup and then get defeated by like Montreal or something. He was like, because <laughs> that's just what the great cup does sometimes when you're playing, as you say, such small sample sizes and all these games that, um, I mean, you make five big mistakes, whether they're on a special teams, kick out of bounds, a ball that gets punched out or any of that stuff. It's like, these games can go anyway. I found it actually really insightful. Steve Daniel, the whiz of CFL stats for the CFL. He was on a conference call I was on not long ago, and he was talking about playoff positioning and probabilities. And he said, uh, every game, when I'm figuring out the scenarios for who's going to host and who's going to be in, in uh, different positioning for the, the East division, he said that, you know, there's 32 possibilities and eight of them involve Montreal being the one seed with three weeks to go in the season. There is one scenario where there's a three-way tie, and then we have the breakdown of how that's going to, and he's going through all this stuff. And in his formula for all of this, he puts the, the opportunity for win-loss at 50-50 in every game. Yeah, He just lists it at 50-50 because he just says anything can happen. Absolutely anything can happen on any game day. And so he, he looks at it as, yes, there might be more likelihood for something to happen. But his view is everything is 50-50. And that's how I'm always going to treat it because I'm not going to individually break down the percentage of a win for certain teams because football's crazy. And I think that that's this playoff race certainly speaks to this. And really, I, I mean, I'm leaning Calgary to win this game against Saskatchewan just because the more I look at it, the more I think it trends that way, whether it be the health or the reemergence of Reggie Begleton or the, the fact that deep throwing is so volatile with the riders right now or time of possession where it might trend and all the, like I'm looking at all this stuff. I could be so wrong. I mean, Saskatchewan could come out and just absolutely blow the doors off and figure it out on the fly for all I know. And that, I think that's the beauty of this playoff setup right now. Yeah. The, the one thing I, I almost couldn't see is Saskatchewan blowing the doors off, just knowing the problems that they've had, but they can absolutely win this game. And, and they've shown, they've shown the way to do it the, already. They just need to add in some extra stuff along the side. I, I was talking on the show today to one of our guests and he pointed out that Calgary had only given up 20 sacks this season, 20 sacks. And they were all on run play. They're all on pass plays. Excuse me. There's some sacks are on run plays. It's a whole thing I have with stats <laughs> why, keepers. Okay, why is that a thing? Why do we do like, because sometimes I'm going through and tracking games too. And it's like, there's a called quarterback run. He gets tackled yeah. in the backfield and we count it as a sack. And I'm like, why do we do that? Like just read the offensive line. If you're doing the stats and realize they're double teaming and getting to the second level, that's our running play. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Saskatchewan's had seven sacks against its of uh, sacks against its offensive line that were very clearly running plays, right? Yes. So, uh, yeah. So twenty sacks against Calgary. Ten of those were done by the Riders in just three games. Wow. So they can get to. I mean, not through Sean McEwen in the middle, but they can get to Bo Levi Mitchell. They don't allow a ton of pressure. I mean, and Bo doesn't allow a ton of pressure in Calgary, but their tackles are susceptible. Right. Zach Williams, I thought was good this season. Uh, it gets a little sketchier with Ryan Seaver. Sean McEwen's a rock in the middle. They can be got to. And by the way, Saskatchewan happens to have the two guys with the most sacks in the Canadian Football League in AC Leonard and Jonathan Woodard. And AC generates more pressure, but Woodard, I mean, is second in the league in sacks, but he's first in the league in sacks where he one on one had to beat a guy. He doesn't get a lot of cleanup sacks, a lot of coverage nonsense. He just goes out there and beats tackles and gets sacks. Yeah. So there's one way to do it. Uh, the other one is Bo, uh, six of his interceptions, he threw 13 picks this season. Uh, six of them came against the Riders. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, you got that. The defense is is doing what it can. It allows some yards, but it, it's making the big plays it needs to so far against Calgary. What can the offense or and, and I almost write off the special teams because Calgary is so good with its special teams. It's punting, the kicking, and the, especially the coverage. They're so good. So what can the offense do? And Jason Moss, without having a viable running back running game at his disposal, has to figure out how they are going to score 22, 21 points, let's say. How are they going? How are we going to get to 21? Because our defense can stop them from, from matching that. Uh, if we get to a final play onside kick scenario, who you got? Again. Oh, Saskatchewan, because... One, if it's uh, if it's Rene Paredes trying the onside kick, Duke Williams is going to rip that out of the sky like old old school Dennis Rodman. And two, Brett Lawther sacrificed his spine to make one in the game in Calgary, right? Like Lawther, I mean, and he had another one that was just absolutely perfect that was taken off by just a fractional penalty on Jake Hardy. Yes. Like Brett Lawther's onside kicking in that game was fantastic. So onside kicks, Saskatchewan has the advantage. Virtually, well, virtually every other special team is a push or advantage Calgary. Man, that's, it's going to be so much fun to see how it breaks down. And uh, and you can listen to DT call the game as well. 620 CKRM is where you can find them on game day. You got anything else here you want to get in on the Western semifinal before we wrap up and uh, and head towards the game day itself? Well, you, you and I broke it down uh, on my show. We kind of went. Did was it you and me or was it you and Farhan? I, I get I get confused with smart football people. But position <laughs> by position through the game. Oh, that was uh, that was Farhan. That would have been Farhan. Okay, so we and, and we both kind of went through it and went. Yeah, positionally, Calgary has the advantage in a lot of spots. Yeah. Like in the majority of spots, Calgary has the advantage. Saskatchewan may well have the advantage in quarterback because Bo has been really troubled this year. Uh, defensive line, Saskatchewan has the advantage. Everything else is kind of Calgary, right? But the, to me, this is a 52-48 or 53-47 proposition. It's I, I think I think by the time we get to it, Calgary will be the will be the betting favorite or a pick'em at least. Mm -hmm. But it's it's very close because Calgary, yes, they're flying in the second half of the season. But uh, I mean, apart from going two and one against the Riders, who did they really beat? Ottawa, BC. Uh, Winnipeg who didn't care so anything can happen when you played three one score games against the team yeah absolutely well said by Derek Taylor again check him out at DT on SC he's got pregame coverage he's doing the whole shebang coming up on Sunday for you it'll be a busy one and I'm looking forward to uh, checking out on your call as I'm uh, wandering around post game in Hamilton uh, trying to figure out what the heck happened between Montreal and, uh, and the Ticats as well on that one. If you want to check out the Eastern semifinal preview, that's in the podcast feed here on CFP as well. To go along with this, we got a fun announcement coming out for you on Monday uh, on Marshmallow, dealing with all things Grey Cup week, which we're going to have some events going on throughout that in Hamilton, which we're looking forward to putting on. Uh, Connor and Waiter around doing All-Canadian. we got some extra shows coming up for you as we head down the playoff stretch. I'm going to have one-on-one -on -one interviews with the quarterbacks when we get to Grey Cup week. Uh, all of that stuff is going to be thrown into this podcast feed and of course up on our youtube page as well canadian football perspective for now thanks derek have fun on sunday enjoy yourself stay safe and uh it'll be noisy in there so make sure you bring the earplugs inside of the headset okay earplugs and warm sweaters because the booth will be open at five degrees celsius it's gonna be great that's awesome there you go uh make sure you follow again at cf perspective on social media we'll be back next week with previews of the eastern final and the western final right here for you on cfp